our first reading for tonight, for today, for whenever it is that you're watching, is Exodus 17. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, for there was no water to drink for the people. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there, and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to make us and our children and livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, walk on ahead of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah, because the Israelites quarreled, and because they tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our, our second reading for, for today is from Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our gospel reading is from John chapter 4, some selected verses. Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him 
will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his, spirit, his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This is the gospel of the Lord. Greetings, everyone, and what a joy it is to be able to worship the Lord, His holy name. Even though we're not here that we can watch online, what a blessing that is. Let's begin with a word of prayer. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of our crumbling world, that you are our rock-solid foundation, Jesus, that because you purchased and won us from sin, death, and the devil himself, we belong to you. We are sheep of your pasture. So continue to lead us and guide us and preserve us by your almighty grace that we can build our values upon the truth of your word. In your name we pray, amen. It's been quite a few interesting last few days, hasn't it? Uh, with the threat of the coronavirus taking us by storm and needless to say, a lot of things have changed. And while the world around us seems to be pausing and how we become more isolated and how we seem to be hunkering down to try to combat the spread of this threat, the truth of God's love remains so real. And the grace of the living water of His love that assures us of everlasting life continues to wash into us, and not only into us, but through us. It was Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken, that describes the two roads that he discovered when he was walking through the woods. And he knows that, that he needs to take one of these roads. Realistically, he has to make a decision based on what he thinks is a priority. This is what he says. He says, I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. 
Many of you have made choices or you've established priorities that are based on values. And as a result, it's made all the difference in your lives. Well, we've been having a series here about our our crumbling world. And today we're talking about crumbling values. And we meet a lady who has experienced a lot of crumbling in her life and especially her values. Jesus meets her uh, by a well. He's traveling with his disciples from up north in Galilee down to Judea. And right in the middle is this area called Samaria. And many people would have traveled around there, but Jesus has a priority. And you know what his priority is? It's always people. And he knows that when he travels through Samaria, he's going to run into people who are broken, people who need a relationship with God, people who need to have some peace instead of fear. And so he comes across this woman, and uh, he stops at this well in Sychar. It's in the heat of the day. It's at noon when most people are, are not around this well at all. They usually came in the morning or the evening. But there he meets the woman, and he doesn't have anything to get a drink with, so he asks the woman if she would get a drink for him. That's when he invites the woman to receive something from him, living water. He even goes to explain that this living water that he wants to give her is a gift of God, and it's not going to be just for now, it's going to be for eternity. And while Jesus is referring to water, living water, he's talking about his eternal grace, grace that God can pour into a person's life to give them hope and meaning, to turn their life around so that values don't have to be that which the world has, but values that can be based on the truth, the truth of God. Jesus offers the living water of his grace so that this woman could be transformed. Well, from our Lord's conversation with the woman, we can see that she's got some values all right, but they're values that are crumbling. The first one that the woman seems to have is the value of isolation. Uh, here she wants to be alone. That's why she's come to the, to the well at this time of day. Jesus speaks to her, but she doesn't really want to interact with Jesus. In fact, Jesus, a Jew, usually doesn't talk to someone who's a Samaritan, and neither did strange men converse with women like her or any other woman. On top of that, she most likely assumes that Jesus is a creep. That's right. Like other men that she had known, who had treated her as an object of desire and not much more. And so going to the well was not good for this woman. And the less that she would see other people and meet people, the better. There wasn't even a virus that she was afraid of, okay? She's not in a good place. She values her isolation. A second value that we can find from this woman in the story is that she had the value, the need of being loved. Who doesn't? She wanted to be accepted. She wanted to be cared for as any human being does. Jesus gets to the, the sore spot of this need when he asks her a question. He says, go and call your husband and come back. She then confesses, I don't have a husband. And that's when Jesus says, you know, you're right. When you say you don't have a husband, actually the fact is you've had five husbands. And the man you're living with right now, you haven't even married him. He's not even your husband. 
It seems as though from this exchange that one of her highest values is that she wanted somebody, anybody, to love her and accept her and care for her. And Jesus also sees that it's not working. That value has crumbled. She's not happy. She's not fulfilled. Her value of wanting to be loved has crumbled not just once, but multiple times. She's gone down the wrong road. She's made lots of poor decisions. Her values were not very good, were they? And yet, Jesus is there for her. And it's interesting, the the fact that she had five husbands is truly astonishing. In Jewish literature, we find out that it was rare that a woman would be divorced twice. There's one instance of a woman being divorced three times. Now, if Samaritans had the same standard, what does it show? It shows that this woman's life had been exceedingly immoral. We can only imagine, as a result, the pain, the embarrassment. That's why she didn't want to see other people, because people probably ostracized her. They avoided her. She, can you imagine her and the object of the village gossip? No wonder she didn't want to be there or meet anybody. But yet this woman and her crumbling values is a symbol of our age too. Lonely and restless, desperately looking for some kind of deep belonging. So many people go from one manipulative arrangement to another, always hoping that the next thing or the next person will be better than the last one. In verse 13, Jesus speaks to the woman. He says, you know, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. We all know what it's like to drink from the water of self-satisfaction. And while we may not have had five spouses, okay, each of us somewhere along the line has gulped down this false notion that if I only have a little more, if I just have this, if I just have that, if I can just go here, if I can just be connected to this person, then I'll be fulfilled. What happens when a person's highest value is self-satisfaction? Doesn't it seem like you drink and you drink, but you're never filled? You're always thirsty for more? That's what Jesus is saying here. And we start to bend the values of truth. Even people of God can be attracted so much by the alluring refreshments of this world that the guidelines that God set up for us, called the Ten Commandments, can just be thrown to the side, or we can, we can ignore them, or we can alter them, we can change them to fit our will. Our values are crumbling, and it's a dangerous road to go down. It's the road that the woman had chosen in her past, and it's a road that unfortunately we choose to go down also. And yet drinking the waters of this life, hoping for contentment and success, what does it lead to? It leads so many times to our own isolation. And we will never be satisfied. We will always be thirsty for more. And yet here we are under the cross. And we ask, is there any hope? And where does that hope come from? Jesus offers the woman living water. He says, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. 
Indeed, the water I give will become in him a spring of, of water welling up to eternal life. It's interesting that in the Bible, water has such a rich spiritual meaning. With water, there's life. Without it, there's death. In a barren land such as Palestine, it's only water that could bring things to life. And this water becomes a symbol then of God's everlasting grace that washes into a person's life and gives hope and strength. That's why the psalmist cries out in Psalm 42, verse 1, As the deer pants for the water, so my, my soul pants for you. Isaiah the prophet writes, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In John 7, Jesus says, If anyone is, in thirst, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. For he that believes in me, as the scripture says, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And remember what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3? He said, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again of water and the Spirit. And so Jesus offers the living and forgiving and refreshing water of life, the water of his grace. Somewhere in the conversation, especially after Jesus reveals to her that he knows her and that she's had multiple husbands, she realizes that the man that she's speaking with is special. She calls him, sir. He says, sir, I can see that you are a prophet. And as we observe this, you can see a relationship starting to form be between this woman and Jesus. It's not a relationship like the other vile men who wanted to use her and abuse her, but it's a relationship of respect, of compassion. And rather than putting her down as a Samaritan, telling her that she worshiped in the wrong way and the wrong place, Jesus assures her that the most important thing about a relationship with God is what's in your heart and that we worship in spirit and truth. You know, values are often formed out of relationships. And that's true with people, but it's especially true with God. And we can see the Holy Spirit starting to, to work here to draw this woman into a faith relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And she says this, she says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And that's when Jesus reveals himself to the woman and saying, I, the one speaking to you, I am the very promised Messiah. You see, for people who have a faith relationship with Jesus, there is life. And as a result, our values reflect the truth of who gives us that life. Even though we have often strayed away from Jesus, even though we've often been married to the idols of our own creation in this world, even though we've gone down the wrong path so many times, the fact is, God still loves us. And Jesus comes to you and me with the water of life, first in our baptism, that cleanses us from our sins and puts us into a faith relationship with Him. And then he renews that, that relationship through the water of his word and the sacraments. And Christ's broken body and his shed blood on the cross assure us 
that he paid the price for our sins. His resurrection is the guarantee that all of our sins are washed away. And now we live in that refreshing, life-giving grace that he gives us. So that then, rather than having crumbled values, the Lord and his living water produces in us living new values. Rather than living for ourselves, what happens to ourself? It's crucified with Jesus. So that it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And that new person emerges. That certainly seems to be the case with the woman here in John 4. For the next thing we hear about her, verse 39 says, Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, that is Jesus. Why? Because of the woman's testimony. When she said, he told me everything I ever did. You see, that faith relationship that the woman had with Jesus assured her of a hope, of a future. She is so sure of Jesus being the promised Messiah that she goes into town and she has to tell everybody. She comes clean about the bad roads that she had traveled, the bad choices, the terrible values that she had celebrated, the sins that she had willfully committed. So that now she could celebrate the right road, the right direction, the forgiveness that she now has in knowing Jesus as her Savior. And you got to say, well, what does that say about our values? Today we too confess that we have held on to too many crumbling values in our lives. We have not put Jesus first in all of our choices, in our decisions. We too have lived for ourselves, and we confess that we far too often drink from the waters of self-satisfaction from this world. How thankful we are that Jesus washes over us today with his mercy. And now as forgiven, redeemed children of God, the Holy Spirit enables us to rearrange our values, values that are now around his word so that we can seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And like the woman who was so sure and so thankful of her salvation that it overflowed and she couldn't keep quiet and she told the whole town, we too value the opportunities that we have to stand up for Jesus. One of the things that has struck me in the last couple of days is rather than only seeing the threat of COVID-19 coronavirus as a pandemic of destruction and the crumbling nature of our world. We, as God's people, can see these times as never before as an opportunity. As an opportunity to make a difference, to be used by God. When these kinds of crises uh, disrupt individual lives and families and communities and, uh, and our nation and ultimately the whole world, it seems like. When this happens, people are inclined to turn not to what the world has to offer, but to what God has to offer. And we in the church, we have something to offer, don't we? The assurance and understanding of a faithful God who loves us and promises more than what this world can offer, which only leads to more thirst. You know, I am absolutely certain that God can use this crisis to turn people's hearts and lives towards Him. And even though worship gatherings are on pause 
right now throughout our community and even here at CLC, the time has never been more appropriate for each of us to be the church. The mouth, the hands, the feet of Jesus to those who are around us. Our values of love and concern for others will cause people to want to know the peace and the hope that we have in Christ our Savior. We value Jesus Christ so much that we want to share Him with others, just like that woman. Finally, following Christ and making Him our top priority might mean taking a road that is less traveled. It's a road that leads to Calvary. Yes, we take up our cross and we follow Jesus. It is a road that is less traveled, but it leads to the spring of water that that wells up to everlasting life. A life that is right with God and a life that is right with others. And I hope and pray that you too will be able to say, two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the road less traveled by. And that has made all the difference.